Welcome to Donnacloney Parish Podcast. If you want to know more information about the parish, how to support us, or for other social media, please go to www.donnacloneyparish.co.uk. Thank you. Let's pray together. Almighty God, as we look today at this issue of adultery, uh, Father, I pray that you would help us to see in you how faithful you have always been to us. Teach us from your word by the power of your spirit. And Heavenly Father, draw us ever closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. When John Henry Ford of the Ford car fame was asked that his golden anniversary how he had been faithful to his wife. He was asked, you know, what is the secret that's kept both of you happy together for 50 years? The way I say it, see it, Mr. Ford said, is the same as the way I've made my cars. I just stick to one model. And this morning, as we come to look at the seventh commandment in our series of 10 commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, you shall not commit adultery, it's hard to know where to start apart from the sound device of Mr. Ford, always to stick to one model. Because faithfulness in our world is hardly the most exciting thing. You don't see many papers, do you, of that says their opening line Famous businessman remains married to his spouse. But the difficult issue for me is not just talking about adultery this morning. It's knowing who I'm speaking to this morning. Especially as I speak down the lens of a camera. You know, there may be people listening to this who have been subject to an adulterous relationship. There are those watching and listening who are broken hearted as they've been crushed as their spouse has told them, I've been unfaithful. There are some trying to make sense of relationships after divorce. And there are unmarried people who this subject draws within them the feelings of loneliness of why hasn't God provided me with a helpmate and how do I say this morning don't do that keep going talk to me later bear with us all at the same time And then there's the question of of not just who I'm speaking to, but actually, who am I to speak? I am a no one. Let's be clear. As a minister within the church of God, I am not perfect. You know that. And I don't, don't stand three foot in a pulpit above this command. This is God's command. These are God's laws. They're good laws. And so we all stand side by side. And actually, we're going to see that before God, before this commandment, 
None of us is guiltless. Yet none of us is hopeless either. And so as we look at this command, I hope and pray that we will be clear at how God wants us to behave in terms of sex and marriage. And I hope and pray that we will affirm the many good and faithful marriages that we represent even here in the parish. That we'll be further warned of the dangers of unfaithfulness and that we'll be strengthened in our resolve if we're married to build better marriages. And so this morning, what I want to do is, as we reflect upon this commandment, is to bring it under three headings. First of all, adultery is unfaithfulness. It's the first point. It says in verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. And adultery, technically speaking, is about sexual relationships where one of the parties is married to someone else. And if you read this verse in isolation from the rest of the Bible, you know, we could easily check it off our moral tick box. I haven't done that. Tick, I'm a good boy or a good girl. But actually to understand adultery, we need to look at it in its biblical context. And if we look around, we see that it's bound up with the rest of the Ten Commandments. Have a think about which commandment or what commandments it would be connected to. Have we thought of that? For example, the Tenth Commandment, do not covet. Well, a lot of unfaithfulness starts, isn't it? People looking at what other people have and wanting it. And what about the ninth one? You shall not give false testimony or, or don't lie. How many lies have been spread in adulterous affairs? What about number eight? Adultery is, after all, stealing someone else's spice. But you know the commandment that it's linked to most? In verse 3 there. Let's turn to it. You shall have no other gods before me. It's the first. It's the first commandment. You see, adultery is the social equivalent of idolatry. But God doesn't want his people to swap him for another god. And he doesn't want them to swap their covenant partner for another one either. Why is that? We'll see how the commandments, how Exodus 20 begins. Look at verse 1. And God spoke all these words. Here's where I want you to focus. Verse 2. I am the Lord you, your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You see, if you like, God is married to his people. It says here how Israel belongs to God and how God belongs to Israel. And then verse Exodus, should I say, verse 2, who brought you out of, the, out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Well, it's like you and I, speaking of a wonderful lifelong marriage, we might recall how a wife cared for her husband when he was very ill. And now God is showing evidence here of his own faithfulness to his people. He has promised them blessings, and now he's delivered them. He's rescued them from Egypt, this exodus is a sign of God's faithfulness to his covenant partner. 
And the point of all this is, if these commandments are a reflection of God himself, specifically marriage amongst the people of God is to represent the faithfulness of God to his people. And the New Testament picks that up because Christian marriages are, are, are to show the union between Christ and the church, between Christ and his bride. Have a look at Ephesians 5 or Revelation 21 to see that. And so we can see that adultery is not just some social problem. It is that. Adultery divides friends, scars children, costs an unbelievable amount of grief, time and money. It is all those things. But can you see at the core of this commandment is this law to be faithful? The issue of adultery is unfaithfulness. And unfaithfulness contradicts the character of God. Now once we've seen that, that adultery is unfaithfulness, a number of things start to fall into place. For example, it makes sense of what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, what we read at the start of our service. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that if anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Adultery, Jesus was saying, is, is more than just the act of sexual intercourse. It's about faithfulness in every sphere. What we see, what we think, what we say. Do not, do not commit adultery means to be utterly exclusive, faithfully, in every part of our life to the person that we've married and nobody else. So then how do we diagnose adult, uh, uh, adultery? How do we diagnose it? How do we see that it's there? Of course, we might first of all ask, am I in a sexual relationship with a person who's not my spouse? But we should ask much broader questions if we think a relationship is heading in the wrong direction. We might ask, is my heart with my spouse? Do I daydream of any other people? Do I fantasize? Do I feel jealous or possessive when I see other people speaking to others and I don't have that same jealousy over my spouse? It's very possible to obey all the societal rules and still be romantically evolved. Sorry, let me say that again. It's still very possible to, to obey all the societal rules and to still be romantically involved, but we can still admit adultery in our hearts. And I wonder if there's a sense in which, actually, even if there's no one involved, that we can still commit adultery. What I mean by that is, do I think I deserve someone better than my spouse? Or don't I break this command when I mock my spouse to my friends and family? Am I not unfaithful when I want my spouse to be someone else and not the person that I married? Am I not unfaithful when I want a marriage just on my terms? Adultery is unfaithfulness. And I don't know about you, but when I start to, to broaden the, the categories here, I'm guilty. 
And the first thing in dealing with this issue of adultery is to remember God's faithfulness. That's the second point. Remember God's faithfulness. Let's get back to Exodus chapter 20. Let's flick back there in verse 2. Remember what it said there? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And in the same way he says to every Christian, I'm the Lord your God. I'm the one who brought you out of disobedience, out of the land of wrath, out of the condemnation for your sin. I promise you a savior. I deliver you myself as your savior. I dealt with your sin and I will return again to put all things right. You need to remember that. How does that help? Well, perhaps I struggle with faithfulness with other people because as far as I'm concerned, no one has ever been faithful to me. And when I think about committing to faithfulness, it feels like I'm writing a a blank check, the kind of check that no one would ever think of writing for me. And I need to know that if I'm a Christian, that that someone has already done that. The Lord Jesus Christ has written that sort of check. So the way is open for me to be the same with others. Or maybe, maybe... I'm struggling to think of faithfulness as something actually as a positive characteristic of today's society. You know, maybe when I I don't feel like being faithful, I kind of think I'm losing out on all the fun that everybody else is having. Well, then I need to remember that God, the good God, the, the best God, the the, the God who has our good at his heart is calling me to do something that he's already done for me. This command is not to kill my joy. No, it actually makes God's joy complete, the Bible tells us. Faithfulness is the way that God operates. And so it must be a good thing. And so if I'm going to be faithful, I need to remember that God is faithful. But I also need to remember why God is faithful. There's a verse in Deuteronomy 7, verse 6. And you can read it later on, but it says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than any other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. The point is, in that passage, is that God is faithful to Israel, not because they're a huge amount of people or even because they're powerful, but simply because he said he would. He set his love on them. And it's the same for for the Lord Jesus Christ. We are his, not because we are moral or good, but simply we accept that he loves us. Here's a question to ask if you're married. Is my marriage like that? Or do I say, I'll be with my wife or husband, provided they aren't a complete idiot, which is questionable most days for our house. No, you see... I am to be true to my spouse because I promised before God that I would. And actually, let's be honest. 
for all that the world might say. A Christian wedding with vows that seem outdated. How do you spend the rest of your life with just one other person? Well, folks, it's not a stupid thing to do. You know, it's not that before you have your wedding that you, you start having a prenuptial agreement so if it goes pear-shaped, you, you know who's going to own what. No, if I'm married, I made a promise. I made a promise that in sickness and in health, in all the vulnerability and all the uncertainty that life can bring, that I would love my wife. And that's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And keeping it, and keeping it, please hear me here now, and keeping it even to the point of forgiving an unfaithful spouse, mirrors the faithfulness of God. Isn't that, after all, what God has done for us? Now, I have to say that if this talk of remembering God's faithfulness is a bit strange to you, can I say, and can I suggest with all humbleness and, and, and with all charity that I can do, that you probably don't know God's grace? And so can I say that if you're going to be faithful Get your relationship with God sorted out first before you work on your marriage. Because as long as that is broken, you have a greater problem ahead of you, an eternity of God's wrath, worse than the hell of any angry spouse. And there's no reason not to sort that out. Because it's easy to know the faithfulness of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, if you want to speak to me about that, I'd love to speak to you about that. So we've looked at adultery is unfaithfulness. Remember God's faithfulness. And then the third and last point is this. Reflect God's faithfulness. You see, we are called to reflect God's unchanging forever faithfulness. And that means, negatively speaking, that means that we need to fight it. We need to fight on faithfulness. And like any, like any fight, knowing your enemy is a good place to start. So first of all, let me be very, very honest and put my hand up and say, all of us, me included, we're all sinners. We are sinners. That means however stable our homes However good we are in our normal business, however faithful our parents were in marriage, however good a church we or may not be, we need to see that adultery could happen to any of us. That's why there's a command here against it. It might happen to you, it might happen to me. So if I see someone who's taken a radical step of moving away because they're getting too close to somebody or even if they move church because they're building an improper relationship within church 
or, or conversely, if I see someone attending church and I ask them about this and they say to me, adultery has never and will never be a problem for me. Do you know what they'll worry about most? It'll be that second person. But as we fight on faithfulness, we need to be really practical here. So think back to our first reading of David and Bathsheba. Think of what led up to his adultery. It was spring. He should have been off to war. Secondly, it was late in the evening. Thirdly, he took a good look. He walked back and forth and looked and looked and looked. You see, we can't decide where we look the first time, but we can certainly decide where we look the second. Then he made a plan, didn't he? He could have stopped, but no, he sent off for Bathsheba. We need to be seeing those patterns. We need to cut it off before it becomes a problem. And we need to be aware of what we read and what we watch. Do the images that come through our eyes make us dream of other men and women in our lives? Do the movies that we watch make us think and fantasize about other people? Do we look at pornographic images or commit adultery in our hearts? If any of these apply, we need to stop them. We need to kill them. We need to deal with the opportunities. Am I being careful not to make an unhealthy exclusivity within any of my relationships to the detriment of my spouse? Am I prepared to lose a relationship because of the sake of my marriage or theirs? Let's be clear. Those decisions, those situations, they're not failures. They're successes on the road to faithfulness in marriage. And finally, I need to deal with my own heart, and so do you. My heart has such a potential for good, but it also has such a potential for evil. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, you'll know this verse. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So I need to watch my heart. Am I letting my lust run free? Is self-pity the tune of my heart? Or it could be I failed in the past and now my heart is just broken. And as I preach this sermon, your heart is saying to you, don't even bother to be trying to be faithful. You messed up in the past, you'll mess up again. We need to remember the grace of God who forgives us even when we are unfaithful and pray for a work of change by God's Holy Spirit. Sadly, I've been involved in counselling men that have committed adultery in their marriages. And do you know what I often hear from their lips? I was just following my heart. Brian, I was, I was just following my heart. What a complete reversal of what God wants. Somehow, they made a virtue out of adultery. I hope you can see how wrong that is. I hope you understand, actually, to follow your own heart is a dangerous thing to do. 
See, we are called to be true, but never true to ourselves. <laughs> what Jeremiah says. We are called to be true to the Lord and true to our spouses and true to the spouses of others by not being involved in their marriages. And there is a night, right, a need to fight unfaithfulness, but of course, reflecting God's faithfulness, we need to work positively as well. And on this, I want to close. I want to close by being practical. Time. Time together with our spouses is a really good thing. Work, life, even children can get in the way of our marriages. And it's easy when things get difficult and when words have been said or life's busy not to spend time with our spouses. I can be guilty of that. But actually that's when we need to be close to them. So spend time with your spouse. And see the beauty of true faithfulness. Perhaps you've been able to see it in the lives of others. I've learned a great deal looking at my in-laws. In August, we celebrated their golden anniversary. They have a great marriage through thick and thin. They love and they care for one another. I, I, I see Christ in that relationship. We need to look to it in Christ and in God and in, the, in God's Holy Spirit. He is faithful. Adultery is unfaithfulness. But God is faithful. Remember God's faithfulness and reflect both negatively as we fight it unfaithfulness and positively as we chase after it and spend time with our spouses. Reflect God's faithfulness. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come as sinners, people who know what we should do and don't do it, and we also come to you as, our chil as children, longing for your forgiveness and help. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us for the ways that we have let you down in the past. But we also pray that your grace and your spirit would help us to remember. And Lord, we would remember your faithfulness. Lord, we pray, hold out before us your faithfulness. And strengthened by your faithfulness and encouraged by it as we repent and as we turn to Jesus and as we ask for Jesus to rule over every area of our lives you would make us faithful people for it's in Jesus name we pray Amen Amen we're going to sing this morning great is thy faithfulness Hello and welcome to Donnacloney Parish Dial-In Service. We're glad you can join with us in the services that we're trying to produce Sunday by Sunday and we hope you're encouraged and helped and challenged by them. We want you to know that we are still trying to connect with people and if you need any help at this time, whether for prescriptions or uh, for help or just want to speak to someone, please phone the rectory on 3882169 or the curedage on 3888 2511. 
we're here to help you. We hope you enjoy this service.